I've, I'm dumb. I was like, it's on. <laughs> it is on. <laughs> Fantastic start. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome into Heavy Hitters. I'm Jack Heim alongside Mitchell Smedley. Um, here we are. Um, here we are. And here we grow. So good. It's doing so well right now. Um, what a hot start to the show. Uh, but hope you enjoyed your weekend. Hope you enjoyed your weekend. We got a lot to talk about today. MLB. Got some NHL to discuss for you and so much more. Uh, this is just hour one of these two hours here on Heavy Hitters and the Radio Voice of Kutztown University, KUR Kutztown. Um, Mitch, how are you doing? I'm good. I needed that laugh. <laughs> that was funny. Uh, it's great to be with everybody. My uh, second hour of the day here on KUR. Just finished up Backlash, Mondays at 4, with the wonderful Josh Toot. And uh, we got two more to go, buddy. So yeah. one down, two to go, taking you till 7 p.m. on the East Coast as the crow flies. It's not where that is supposed to be said, but that's <laughs> whatever. So, yeah, I'm actually feeling okay. I know that my baseball team is awake uh, and that my uh, hockey team is going to be terrible, but that's okay. That's okay. We give and take here. We give and take. How are you feeling after your uh, your game yesterday? Um, I I could be better. Yeah. I could be better. I think we both uh, – yeah, I'm, so. I'm done with the stadium series for a while. Yeah. By the way, I <clears> – <throat> We'll get to it. I have a. I don't like the decision they made about it next year. I think that's a dumb decision. Do you know what I'm talking about? Um. Why? Why are the Blue Jackets going to be playing on any sort of a big game? Yeah. Why? Like, why is the first NHL game in history to feature a crowd of over a hundred thousand people going to be the Columbus Blue Jackets? <laughs> that's stupid. Yeah. They could have had Beaver Stadium, Flyers, Penguins. Would that not, not have been insane? It would have, but I, I guess that's not where they decided to go. Morons. So. Morons. Anyways, where do you want to start? Um, Let's go baseball, man. Okay. Uh, spring training games are going to start for both of our teams this upcoming weekend. We have official games around the league starting on Thursday with the Dodgers and Padres. Everybody's uh, reported to their respective spring training locations. We are here. We are right at... You know, on the cusp of actual baseball games being played. I thought you meant we are here. We are at spring training right so, now. Coming I mean, that would live. be amazing. That would be so cool. Warm weather, seeing yeah. some baseball. I don't know if that's in the budget. Yeah, certainly not. <laughs> um, but, yeah, man, it is It is great to be here. I know in this kind of lull of, of totality of sports talk, uh, it is kind of unfortunate. But I love baseball so much. It is, you know, just great to be able to talk about it and be able to talk about actual game action coming up uh you know especially next week on our show with some spring training uh action obviously it's not doesn't mean much in terms of results but just to see some of the younger guys get some action uh, and to see see those vets back out there it's always exciting to see some big time home runs in spring training from you know Mitchie, if you see Harper blast one 470, oh. you see Harper blast one 470 at spring training, that's going to get you revved up. Did I tell you the first pitch I ever saw of Bryce Harper? Um, so he hit a home run earlier in the spring training game while I was at school one day. And I was like, oh, I missed it. His first is a Philly. Oh, that's so stupid. And I came home and I was like so mad. And I turned on the TV. I had my snack in my old family room. And Bryce Harper was up to bat. And he put one in the second deck for a second of the day, first pitch. It was the first pitch of baseball I'd seen that year. Oh, what a memory. It was, oh, 2019, Mitchie was so happy. So happy. What could go wrong? Yeah, man, it's it's just exciting. You know, I can't wait to see Pete Alonso's first home run of the year, whether it's spring training or not. I mean, it's just 
something about baseball coming around, man. It signifies warmer weather ahead. Um, it is truly great, and I love I love the marathon that is baseball. I know we've talked about that at length on this show before, but yeah, you know, I, I love how much time it takes up. It, you know, it really just gives you something to fully invest your time in for a majority of the year, from you know March up until. November, if that's how far your team goes, um, you know, it really can take up pretty much the entirety of your year. If you're used to rooting for a successful team, if on the flip side, if you're not, you know, you, you could check out by July. So yeah. That's the. Uh, Those are such depressing seasons. Yeah, man, they are. That was that was what last year was for me, man. That's so sad. What's like, worse, um, checking out in July and knowing that you lost out on half of such a great marathon or like losing on like the final week of the season? I'd say July, man. I just love baseball that much. I just I'd love to watch it yeah. and have it end in just sheer heartbreak. Yes. Then just check out in July and say, yeah, I'm done caring for these next couple of months. I know? mean, like you know, it's different because it, you know, it's different kind of pain. Yeah, it's different because like we actually made the playoffs these two years, but like the heartbreak at the end of the last two years has been so worth just not being irrelevant anymore. Yeah. Like I'd rather make the playoffs and lose in crushing fashion than just be irrelevant for the final couple months of the season yeah. and just have nothing to be excited for. And the Phillies were irrelevant for not just the final months, but the entirety of 10 years. It's yeah. so awful. Yeah, and the Mets have been irrelevant for a large portion of my life. Yeah. Um, I've seen a couple of good seasons, but outside of that, I mean, it has been rough sledding. So, yeah, um, yeah, I'd, I would much rather live in losing in the playoffs type of pain than irrelevant type of pain because you just that it just stinks man you just have nothing to care and we all know that whoever does make the playoffs is going to lose because the dodgers are going to win everything this year yeah so i don't boring. know man baseball is a way of humbling yeah whatever seems to be obvious doesn't transpire you know everyone thought you know oh it's either going to be the braves or the dodgers again in the nl last year and it wasn't it was two different teams it was the phillies and the diamondbacks in the nlcs so you know with this new playoff format man it just seems like it's the gift that keeps on giving it's the the underdog's road to the World Series, at least in one conference. You know, you had two wildcard teams meet last year. I wouldn't, I mean, the Rangers weren't really, an, so I'd say, a heavy underdog story. I mean, they were a heavily talented roster that lost a division by one game. Uh, and that's what separated them from being a division winner um, and having the two seed comparatively to being a five seed. Yep. So, yeah, it's an exciting sport. It's, it, thing I love about it is it just gives you so much there's so many games that like there's always something going on and it's it kind of just becomes like the soundtrack to your summer in yeah, a way, exactly right? it's always on whether you're at like someone's pool or if you're at a barbecue or if you're down the shore like it there's always Phillies on at least with my family my friends like the people I lo- like associate with they many of them love sports and love the Phillies as, as much as I do or almost they try to um and it's it's just always on it's always you know you're just hanging out and like a random restaurant or something, and then like 10, 10 of us like gather under like one of the TVs that has the game on, and it's like, let's go, Harper. Yeah, yeah. Sports has that way, man. It's it's very uniting. Uh, it brings people together for sure. Yeah, and it like you said, reminds me of the warm weather. Yeah, and dude. if you've ever been around here, the the halls of KUR, you know, I I do not stop whining about the cold. So. Before we, get back, notebook. before we get back in our LB talk, yes, we do have a message from the KUR Notebook. Attention to KU community. Want KUR in your event? No problem. Go to www.kutztown.edu forward slash KUR. Find live events forward slash remotes. Read the reminders and fill out the form. A promotional director or an e-board member of KUR will reach out to you as soon as possible. An important reminder about events is that KUR needs at least three weeks' notice to even consider your event no exceptions. This message is brought to you by the radio voice of Kutztown University 
KUR. All right, back here, hour number one of Heavy Hitters. We're talking all things baseball, what we love about baseball, what it signifies, uh, and much, much more. But Is there anything you hate about baseball? Anything I hate about baseball? Yeah, my divisional rivals. Um, <laughs> that's a slam dunk answer. Yeah, I mean, I the Atlanta Braves and Duh. Philadelphia Phillies are two things I absolutely hate with a burning passion. Um, Who do you hate more? I love asking this question. <sighs> For me, it shifts it. year to year. You can say it. You know you hate us more. I hate the fans of the Phillies more because I'm around them more. Braves fans are just as annoying. I just don't live around them as much, so it doesn't qualify me, and I attach the fans along with the team. So for being around the fans, I'd say the Phillies, but as a team more, i definitely lean Atlanta. Really? I, I absolutely hate the Braves. Even though we've been They're uh, such crybabies, man. Oh, that's They're true. They're just such whiners, dude. That's true. They're like the 49ers of the MLB. Like... Great comp. Whine and complain. And Talent like, all over the place. Like, yeah, have such a talented roster. Except they do have a ring. Done. They do have a ring. Yeah, they do. They do. But mostly haven't been unable to get it done in the postseason. And they just whine and complain, dude. Like, be quiet. No one wants to hear you. Just absolutely whine. Stop For it, please. Real. Who's the Brock Purdy of the Atlanta Braves? Mm, I don't think they really have a Brock Purdy. The guy who gets so much hate, I would argue. The guy that gets way too much love? And uh, a lot of people in the major media hate him. I feel like a lot of ESPN I don't people, think so. They all love him. Mm, Dan Orlovsky loves him. I know in ESPN. Shannon Sharp hates him. It, it really depends on who you talk to. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a heavy contrast. There's really no middle ground. The Braves don't. I don't think the Braves really have a guy like that. You know, everyone loves Acuna in terms of his talent. Can't stand him. Olsen. like Arcia. Arcia would be the closest, I guess, to Purdy. Yeah. What about Strider? Yeah, I don't know. Strider is really, really, really good, though. You think there's any chance the Braves sign Montgomery? I don't think so. Really? I don't think they have any more moves up, up their sleeve. I really? think they're done. I don't know. I, f- I feel like the Braves are lurking and waiting to do something. I don't know what it, it is. It would surprise me if they got him. Hmm. I don't know if it's Montgomery, but The Yankees something. seem all in on Snell. Have you seen that? Apparently they have an offer on the table to Snell. No. Yeah, apparently the Yankees have an offer on the table to Snell, so we'll see. Well... Uh, so how long do you think Boris draws this out? Because he has a history of uh, bringing guys in free agency into May. Or not May, I'm sorry, March. I don't know, man. I don't think teams are willing to bite as much as they've been in the past. And that's a big difference, this free agency. That's why a lot it's of a these top thing. guys still are out there. And look, the when you're asking prices too high, the teams hold the leverage in terms of what they want to give you, right? They're not going to... If they don't feel they need you, they're not going to cave for the money. And I don't think there's a lot of teams who are saying, we need this to do this this year. Like, to, to complete X, Y, and Z, we need to go out, give this guy whatever money he wants, and, and bring him onto our team. I don't think there's a lot of teams who find themselves in that position. Um, I, I think maybe if you had to put a couple of teams there, I think the Phillies could be one. That's I, I just... I feel it, man. I feel it in the... I can feel it coming in the air tonight. Like, if you got a Snell oh, or Montgomery, it. that rotation would be very much deeper. It would be a lot more lethal. Think about it. Think about it. If they if they get one. I mean, set aside the 24 rotation of Wheeler, Nola, Montgomery. Well, I'll pencil him in. Ranger and, and Taiwan or, or Sanchez. Whatever you want to do there. The 2025 Phillies rotation after they re-sign Wheeler? I mean... Wheeler, Nola, Montgomery, uh, Suarez, Painter? Give me a break. All of yeah. a sudden, you're right up there with the Dodgers. So, 
Yeah, I mean, it could be it could be a big time move going forward. So I think the Phillies you could pencil into a spot like that. I think. Do you think there's any legitimacy to the Phillies are in on Montgomery news, or do you think it's just Boris trying to I think leverage other teams? I think it's a smokescreen based on what Dave's been saying. Yeah. Or, or could Dave seem... be giving a smokescreen yeah, as again, to not drive the price up? That's the thing, though, this late in free agency. You don't really know who to believe, and that's kind of why I wait until things right. officially happen because you know you see all these articles, well, this team is, is heavily in on so-and-so, and it's like, yeah, but we're, we're this late. So, yeah. you know, it's ever-changing. It's pretty much a daily change at this point in time because of – how close we are to spring training games actually starting. And for these pitchers, you know, I'm sure they're going to be working on the side, obviously, to keep oh, themselves obviously, fresh. Yeah. I mean, that's a no, that's a no-brainer. But it's like, you know, when, at what point do you want to commit to a team? I think Montgomery's closer to signing than Snell. And I know the oh, I thought it was the other way around. I feel like the, Snell's more content to sign sooner. Yeah. He's the older one. He is. Montgomery has had a lot of talks of the Rangers sticking around there. It's just been, I think the price has been. Yeah. Um, the price isn't right. Hey, um, I, f- I feel like Montgomery's going to go back to the Rangers. Yeah, but I've always had that lean. The Montgomery to the Phillies, like, it makes all of the sense in the world. Everything we talk about. A, Dombrowski always has that, that one final ace up his sleeve, right? He does this everywhere he goes for the last 20 years. Uh, and also... How many times have you said the window is right now? Yeah, like, man. They have to win now. It's a group that's getting older. It's one of the older rosters, I think, in the league in terms of average age Correct. of players. So, I mean, look, the window isn't exponentially long with this group. Sure, no. you have this year. You could probably squeak out next year and the year after, maybe 2026. And be. then, unless there's a nice retooling effort, it's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough because, A, they don't have a lot coming up through the system in terms of bats-wise. Well, they do have... So, I assume Bohm's going to be gone after after his contract's up, and he'll be replaced by Aiden Miller. Yeah, Miller Miller's the guy, but again, that's just Maybe like patching Crawford holes. works, but I mean, at that point, you're just a you're signing another Nick Castellanos or yeah. or something like that. You know, you're not that far off, actually. It's the pitching that worries me. The pitching staff getting so old. Yeah. So this Montgomery move makes all of the sense because I think if you get that that player. That that pitcher that is how old is Montgomery? He's old too, though. But if you increase your odds of having one of these elite pitchers stay elite, I mean that expands the window. I think dramatically. So he's I don't thirty one. Yeah, so he's younger than Wheeler and Nola. I think you give him a three, four three year, three I four give year him deal, four. three to four years. I don't think that's no ludicrous at all. It, it, but it seems like the Phillies only want to do a two year deal. Why not do three or four? And that's what they, you know, I think you see that trend of that with who they just got um, with Merrifield. Yeah. The, he wanted two. They gave him one with a club option for 2025. Yeah, team option. Yeah. So, it's, by the way, eight years, uh, not eight years, eight, eight million, million for the year plus an eight million club option for 2025. One million um, for the, uh, uh, if they just don't sign him, I yeah. think. So, it could be nine mil, really eight mil. But What do you think of that move? So, I was going to save that for after the break, but... Yeah, just, um, yeah. we're a minute away from the break, so... Yeah, I'll headline it, and then we'll go to break. Exactly. Headline, love the move, a lot of versatility, couple fears with it. Okay. couple fears. So, why don't we just... Um, Do unless now. you got anything on the on uh, else on Monka. I just think it makes all the sense of the world. And we are in late February. Like, it's the the 19th, yep. I think. Yep. There's only 28 days in... Uh, 29, right? Yes, no, it's a leap year. year. There's only 10 days left in this month. Like, we're going to be in March soon. It makes... Go get him, Dave. 
like I'm last year I was teetering or not last last week the week before I was teetering on eh, maybe it could I don't know maybe there's something. like I fully talked myself into Jordan Montgomery becoming a Philly. I want it. I need it now. Go I get it. I can him, visualize dude. it too. Right? Which like I know Scares it doesn't you, I bet. it doesn't really mean much in terms of like what could happen. Yeah. But if you like if you look at like yeah, I could see this guy wearing this uniform and pitching in this place. I could see it, man. He reminds me of like no discernible way like in terms of what they do and what they pitch like, but Cole Hamels for some Ooh. reason. Like I just have oh, that visualization buddy. with a lefty <laughs> in a Philly uniform. Yeah. Like I don't know, man. I could just see it. I could just see it. As much as I don't want it to happen, I could see it. Yeah. So. Well, on the other side, we'll talk Whit Merrifield, some other baseball notes, and then we will uh, keep the first hour moving right along. You won't want to miss it. Keep it here on KUR. This is Heavy Hitters. Welcome back in. It's Heavy Hitters here on the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR. Kutztown, Mitchell Smedley, and the ever-beautiful Jack Heim rocking with you in this 5 o'clock hour. Taking you till 7 p.m. tonight. Talking all things sports. We're talking MLB right now. We'll get into NHL, college hoops, everything on the sports buffet today. So we were talking uh, Jordan Montgomery mostly it turned into. Um, Talked a little bit about the Dodgers dominance and and just baseball as a whole. Fond memories. And uh, I think it's time. I think it's time. The actual uh, Phillies headline that is concrete. Um, They're not asleep, Jack. They have made a move. And the have. Phillies have signed uti- super utility man. I, I love when they when they use that term. Yeah, <laughs> that's so that is so funny to me. Super utility man Whit Merrifield to a one year deal with a club option for twenty twenty five. Eight million dollars this year uh, for a guy that is uh, going to fill a few roles here. He's a uh, obviously a utility man gives you depth there. He's a bench bat right handed, and uh, he's also. The Johan Rojas insurance policy. And that is truly the headline for me. The fact that they did not sit on their hands. They have someone serviceable if and when this guy is terrible. Thank goodness. Um, Unlike Johan Rojas, Whit Merrifield actually did hit 11 home runs last year. Um, Double digits. Someone at this station thinks that Johan can do that. It's okay. Uh, But he, he has a little bit more power. Batted 272, and by the way, that was uh, including a second half of the season. Last two months, really, he was hampered by some injuries. Didn't look like the same player. Uh, I watched his highlights. They cut off after July. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, he, um, you know, maybe he has something better than 272 in the tank. He's a career 284 hitter. Um, he had uh, one year, I believe, over 300. But his peak for home runs came, I believe, back in 2018 with 19 home runs. So... Last year is about what he is. You know, he's been roughly the same player each of the last three seasons. He, um, You know kind of what you're getting, and it's better than Johan Rojas. This guy can play second base mostly, but he also has experience uh, at other infield positions short uh, as well. He plays some left field and center field. Left field, I think, will be where he ends up. Brandon Marsh will probably move over to center, and Johan Rojas will pack his bags and head up to this here Lehigh Valley. Uh, Jack, impressions on the Merrifield signing? Yeah, you covered a lot of it. Uh, you know, the 272 average last year. He's, he's a high average hitter, high contact rate, you know, 11 home runs, 26 stolen bases. That's a nice I wanted caveat. to bring that up. Yes. It's a nice caveat there. He's got some speed. Only 700 OPS. This guy's not huge on power, just 382 slugging percentage last year. Yep. So, I mean, yeah, like you mentioned, he's a slightly better version. I 
than than Rojas in terms of being able to hit for some pop, uh, swipe some more bags, and bring that great defensive versatility I mentioned with uh, those up-the-middle infield spots, especially playing left field. He had 84 games in the outfield last year for the Blue Jays. Again, a nice insurance guy off the bench that the Phillies can turn to if Rojas doesn't develop into the everyday player the Phillies hope he can be. And with Brandon Marsh having that knee surgery, possibly not being ready. That was the other thing, right? Not being ready for opening day. Possibly Phillies think he'll be ready, but if he suffers a setback, which would be a worst-case scenario, obviously don't want to see that. But if that were to occur, you have Merrifield you can slot in, play left field every day right alongside Rojas and center at the start of the season until Marsh gets fully healthy. So I think it's a good, you know, kind of putting the bow on things for the, for the bats for these Phillies. It's a it's a needed asset. I worry about the left-handed bench spot cuz now you have your top two bench bats are are Yo, uh, not Johan Rojas. Lord no. Um also a righty by the way. But Merrifield and Sosa, both righties. So I, I worry about the left-handed bat off the bench. I mean, what do we have? Uh, Jake Cave is technically still on the roster. He'll leave with this signing. Yeah, um, that's important to note real quick before I let you get back to finish your point. Jake Cave and Christian Pache out of options. So if they don't crack the opening day roster, they'll have to be DFA'd. Yes, and then they'll have to clear waivers if the yes. Phillies want to retain the rights. Yep. Um, so that's it's definitely an interesting note. By the way, I think Pache is better than Rojas. I would much rather keep Pache than Rojas. And I don't know why no one talks about that. Pache actually has some some pop to him. He had a, a game-winning home run last year. Um, I don't know. I, I like what I see out of Pache. He also has that elite speed as well. So, whatever. Um, one left-handed bench bat, Garrett Stubbs. Exactly. That was where I was like, getting, uh, and then I sidetracked myself. Garrett Stubbs is your left-handed bench bat. So I <laughs> He's don't, your backup catcher. I don't know how they want to address that. What they'll probably end up, unfortunately, doing <laughs> is releasing Christian Pache and keeping Jake Cave, who looks 80 years old. <laughs> and I just, I can't, I want Pache more than I want Cave. I would have rather the left-hand bat. Like, I don't know. This this feels like the left-hand bench spot is now the open, like. You know who needs to come back? Derek Hall? Yes. <laughs> Eric Hall needs to come back. Question, is Scott Kingery a lefty? No, he's a righty. Uh, I thought maybe he was a switch hitter. Uh, I think he might be a switch hitter. Uh, Get on that. Let me see. see. Oh, you know you can bring up Cody Clemens. No! No! (laughs) Actually, actually, Cody Clemens hit for for some power. He hit like four home runs in like a week. (laughs) And then did nothing. He hit a home run on a national broadcast. Switch hitter who they got to bring back? Wait, Adolfo wait. Castro. Oh, baby. I am all in on that. Dude, I My remember. My official take, I texted Jack, <laughs> great move with like 10 exclamation points. <laughs> because in the span of a year, he had 22 homers. Oh, my goodness. He hasn't gotten a fair shake yet. All right? I am still in on Rodolfo Castro. You traded Bailey Faltrum you, for him. You had to know he was not going to be good. I did, but like the upside for someone that you got for Bailey Falter, right? Pardon me for being excited. Dude, I can't believe oh. Bailey Falter was on the opening day roster last year. I actually forgot about this. The Phillies do have a uh, more left-handed insurance outside of Jake Cave. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Let me think. Let me think. So is it someone that's been up here? No. They just got brought in. Oh. Dave? Yes. Buchanan. No. Who? David Dahl. Oh, I forgot about him, too. Oh, yeah. my goodness. David Dahl with the Rockies. Last week, the Dodgers <laughs> signed him into a minor league deal with an invite to spring camp. Yeah, so he's a lefty that. bat that they can turn to. And who who could forget the GOAT? Wait. 
Give me a hint. Give me a hint. Left-handed batter. Yeah, outfielder who's been with the Philly system. Been with the Philly system. If you say Odubel Herrera, I will end you. I think he's gone. Yeah, I thought so. Um, none other than Simone Muziano. Oh no. <laughs> So, so I think I compared uh, Johan Rojas to uh, Brandon Marsh Light last uh, last show or something. I said that at one point. I don't know which show it was on at this point. Simon Muziati is Johan Rojas Light. Like he is the downgraded version of Johan Rojas. <laughs> Pathetic farm system. Oh my goodness! Is Justin Crawford a lefty? No, he's a righty. Is he? No, he's a lefty. Really? Yep. I had it right the first time. Watch Justin Crawford make this roster. All right. We have talked a lot about the Phillies, but we do have other things to talk about. We'll get back to the Phillies um, with our next segment coming up. But putting a bow on this free agent conversation, Liam Hendricks back signing with the Boston Red Sox. Two-year, $10 million deal. Uh, He's going up to Boston. I guess you could say he's shipping Shipping up up to to Boston. Boston. Whoa! Oh, um, I'll get back to Merrifield. I did have one more point. Um, But for Hendricks, pitched to a 2.81 ERA with 37 saves in 2022 with the White Sox, his last full season. So, we'll see what's left in the tank for the 35-year-old reliever. Um, Native of Australia, fun fact. Um, In South Australia, I was born. Heave away. Holloway. Sorry. You're good. Um, <laughs> last note on Merrifield, 85th percentile in sprint speed last year and 81st percentile in K-rate. Does not strike out a lot uh, and has some pretty good speed. Weird thing, though, is he doesn't walk a lot. It was only 19th percentile. He doesn't uh, walk. He only in, runs. In walk rate. So while he doesn't strike out a lot, he doesn't walk a lot either. So really, he's either putting the ball in play and getting base hits or he putting is the ball in play and getting out. <laughs> he's the antithesis of the uh, three true outcomes. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I- I'm interested to see what he... He's one for five in the playoffs. Clutch, clutch, buddy. Two hundred batting average right there. I mean, when you're on the when you're on the um, Blue Jays, not a lot of opportunity. Talk about a franchise who just has no clue what they're going. Yeah, for real. My goodness, it's hard to believe that uh, that they touched them all. Yeah, that was a long time. Touch them all, Joe. Nineteen ninety three was not unbelievable. Recently. You know, it's, it, dude. The day you told me that that was against the Phillies. Yeah. Because that was one of my favorite, like, broadcast highlights to listen to. And I just never knew. <laughs> and then we were in that production room. <laughs> oh, my world came crashing down. It did. Um, one last free agent note, though. Brandon Woodruff, uh, reportedly, I, the team has made it official, but assigned a two-year deal to return to the Brewers. He's expected to miss most or all of the 2024 season after having shoulder surgery in October. Uh, and he's pitched to a 3.10 ERA in a seven in his first seven big league seasons with Milwaukee. That's a franchise best out of all pitchers to throw 500 innings in a Milwaukee uniform. So that's a little fun fact for you about Brandon Woodruff. He's back with the Brew Crew. Most likely will be teammate. impacted in 2025 for them. One other note around the league. This is back to the Phillies. I apologize. You're good. Um, did you see who wants an extension? Uh, is it Harper? It is Bryce Harper. Eight years away from his contract expiring, but he wants a six-year extension. <laughs> what? He said he wants to play till he's 45. Yeah. We'll see about that. We'll see about that. I, I think you have to wait five years. I think you got to see him stay in the field for a full year first before you even think yeah, about Yeah, that's step that. one. Like That's, you know, by the way, just the thing. Tommy John. That's the thing I'm most excited for, by the way. We were talking about how excited we are for baseball. I mean, the last time Bryce Harper played a full season of baseball, he won the MVP. I am, and, and I think him being at first base will make him an even better player. It'll keep him closer to the game. Bryce Harper's one of those weird, like the off the or like the the intangibles matter a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this could be the best Bryce Harper season we've seen, and I'm just so excited. So, 
uh, predicting a Bryce Harper MVP, actually. So. All right. Well, our final segment of hour number one, this should take us a lot of the way. Fun little discussion we're going to have here um, because we are in the midst of February and there is not a whole lot to talk about. So we're going to go through. Talk about over-under projected win totals for all of the National League teams. Starting with the NL East, we're going to go standings order. We're going to go yep. from fifth to first. Different than the floor-ceiling conversation East we did. Yes. By the way, you can find that on Spotify, the last couple episodes of Heavy Hitters. Um, yeah, just search Kutztown University Radio on Spotify. Find all of our past episodes and all of the talk-based programming on KUR. Back to you. Yes. Um, so, let's start it off from bottom to the top. Uh, based off last year's standings. So let's start with none other than the Washington Nationals. Yeah. Pull up their projected roster here yeah. for the 2024 season so we can get an in-depth look at what they're going to be, oh, as of this moment, fielding in 2024. Things will certainly change before opening day, but this is just a solid baseline of what most of their roster is going to look like. So first, let's start off with what the line is set at. Over under 66 and a half wins for this group. They got 71 wins last year. Uh, they overperformed. They had 55 wins in 2022. Uh, 71 wins last year. What will they do in 2024? Mitch, would you like to get us started or will you delegate it to me? Uh, I feel they're going to drop a couple wins, but they're going to stay above that 66 and a half line. I think they finished somewhere 68, 69 wins. Give me the Nationals over. I would be inclined to agree with you. I think this is a group who's going to finish very similar to what they did last year. While the minor step back is in store for this group, in my mind, I, I don't think it's going to be a group that's going to fall too far. I would have yeah. them at 68 wins exactly uh, if I had to give an exact record prediction of the of. Wow, that did not just come out cleanly. So I would give them 68 wins exactly if I had to give them a record prediction today. Um, their projected lineup, uh, C.J. Abrams at the top, I think it's a, he's incredible. Coming over from the Padres in that Juan Soto trade. Uh, he's been a big, big piece for them. Lane Thomas, who led them in home runs last year. Uh, Kiebert Ruiz, who hasn't worked out quite as well as they thought, but he's a playable catcher every single day. Um, Joey Gallo, who they just signed this offseason to become one of their corner outfielders. They just got Jesse Winker. Um, I forgot about that. <laughs> coming over to the Nationals. That's so funny. It'll be a projected DH for them. Still have Joey Manessis. Brought in Nick Senzel, signed him from the Reds, a guy who was once a top prospect in the game. Never panned out the way the Reds hoped he would, but he's coming over to the Nationals, uh, projected to be their everyday third baseman. They still got Dom Smith? Um, Not in their projected opening day lineup. Mm. So, Dude, funny watching Dominic Smith be part of a, uh, of a Michael Lorenzen no-hitter last year. Yep. <laughs> That yeah. was funny. So, Dominic Smith, man. Whew, thank God he is off the Mets. <laughs> he almost broke it up, too. <laughs> that would have been so fitting. No, no. I will never allow that to happen. Yeah, that would have been so fitting if Dom Smith of all people <laughs> broke up the no-hitter. <laughs> In the eighth inning. Oh, my goodness. Bench does not look great. Um, I guess not, not good depth here for this national roster. Starting rotation, also not that good. Have Josiah Gray, Mackenzie Gore. Outside of that, it's a whole lot of meh. Jake Irvin, Patrick Corbin, and Trevor Williams, three guys who do, Patrick not, Corbin. Who do not put any fear. Three wins for the opponents. Yeah, who do not put fear into anybody's eyes. Uh, and, and the bullpen does the same. I mean, there's not a lot of guys out here where I look at and say, ooh, I am fearful of Hunter Harvey out of the uh, national bullpen. So I think it's right. I think it's fair that this group's going to finish close to last year. 68 wins for the Nationals only 
accurate. All right, let's move on to fourth place from last year. I think one of the more intriguing teams to measure heading into 2024. Boring. Uh, this will be our last team more than likely before our second break yeah. of hour number one. Let's talk about none other than my New York Mets. I love that they're in fourth last year. That was they, behind the Marlins? Yeah, by uh, nine wins. That's awful. So, yeah, it's not really talked about how poor the Mets were last year. I think I don't think it's been, like, stated enough. Like, the Mets were absolutely terrible And last I think year. why they weren't as talked about as much is because also the Yankees and the Padres, Padres. were just as bad yeah. while spending close to the same amount of money, which helped mask the Mets' putrid. The Mets yes. were always supposed to be the best out of those three, though. Yeah. Oh, man. But... Let's talk about the Mets going into 2024. Let's first start off with this projected over-under win total. Right now set at 82.5 wins. Uh, again, these are all per FanDuel Sportsbook, so that is where these lines are coming from. But 82.5 wins for the Mets. I'll get it started. They're my team. I'm going to take the line. I'm going to take the light here and talk about them. I like what this lineup brings, man. I like what it is possessing right now. I think these young guys are going to be inclined to take a I'm not going to say a massive step forward, but I think they're going to continue to progress and become guys who are going to be points, focal points of this lineup going forward for the future in the Mets. And I'm talking specifically about Brett Beatty. I'm talking about Mark Vientos. Which one of those guys steps up to take over things in terms of third base role? I think it's going to be Beatty. I think Vientos is going to be more impactful as a DH type. Um, you have Joey Wendell coming over from the Marlins. Tyron Taylor in a trade. You got the Joey Wendell? Yes, I, we did. I always forget about that. That's like the third time I've asked you that on this show. Yep. I yeah. can't stand him. Joey Wendell coming oh, over to I be a him. Luis Guillorme type replacement, just a better bat um, coming to the Mets. Guillaume. I like Tyron Taylor as depth. I love the depth of the Mets roster. Something that I think is going to be such a big benefit for them this year is how much depth this team has um, all over. I mean, you're going to need it throughout the course of 162 games. While this roster is the most flashy, if things go awry and players get hurt, they're going to have people who can certainly step in, fill in, and you know not have to worry about a liability stepping in uh, each and every day to, to bat in your lineup or to pitch in your rotation. Liabilities in your lineup? What's that like? So, yeah. Oh, you have one. I can't imagine who you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'm going to be talking about the, the broad points of this roster. I love the Mets' top half of the lineup. I like... I like Nimmo, I like Lindor, I like Alonzo. Uh, interested to see what Starling Marte is going to do this year. If the Mets are going to succeed, Starling Marte's A, got to stay in the field, and B, he's got to do what he did in 2022. Steal bags, um, get on base, uh, and just do the little things. It doesn't have to be flashy. He just has to contribute and be productive. Uh, and, and just stay healthy, please, Starling. That's all we're asking for, man. We paid you a lot of money for a four-year deal. Um, I think four years, 70-something million, if I, if I remember correctly. Uh, but third year of that contract, we just need you to stay healthy uh, and, and help contribute for this team. Uh, but again, outfield depth, a lot better than last year. So if he does go down, we have guys who can fill in. Um, anyway, I'm going to give my thoughts. I'm going to go over, slightly over. Again, I think I had my ceiling at 86. I'm going to go at... 84 wins. Oh, you took my number. 84. I think that... Actually, no. You know what? Why not? I'll go I'll go all in. Give me 86. They hit their ceiling, and they squeak into the playoffs. Ooh. Uh, yeah, I'm sticking with 84. There's no way this team is as bad uh, as they were last year. They have, like you said, good depth pieces to fill in uh, for when some of these guys go down. And um, I think that's that's really all it is to it. I don't think it's the best assemblance of, of skill and, and talent on a roster. But it's, it's good players, right? They have good players, unlike a, yep. a lineup like the Nationals 
you know, they have some some difference makers. And, um, yeah, so I think uh, that's as much as I'll say about the Mets. We are going to hit our final break of hour number one. On the other side, though, we'll continue going through the National League over-unders for the 2024 MLB season. And after that, we'll head into hour number two with some NHL, college hoops, and more. Don't go anywhere. And welcome back to Heavy Hitters here on the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR Kutztown. Jack Heim alongside Mitchell Smedley with you here on this Monday night. Um, we're talking all things MLB, going through the over-under win totals projected. That is, of course, for all the National League teams starting in our field. Yeah, this is yeah exactly. This is how they, the this script is, is decided. Leaked. The yeah. script is Jack leaked. is looking at the script. Yep, I got it pulled up with an halves to me. of win totals. Yep, right, exactly. So the Phillies officially with fifty six and a half wins. <laughs> <laughs> how would that work? I don't know. I don't want to think about a world where that's the case. So we're gonna move on. Um, last little bow in the Mets. I really like what they did with this bullpen. Brought in some nice pieces. They give you just so many different looks. Jake Diekman throws from a weird arm angle. <laughs> Jake Diekman. Uh, Shintaro Fujinami coming from the Orioles along with Jorge Lopez. I like what the Mets have here with this group. Is it going to be the best bullpen in the league? No. But I think with Edwin Diaz being back, it'll be. That's a, a huge piece, by it, the way. That is. Wasn't a huge piece. there last year. Like, that is. I think it's the biggest thing for the Mets. It is. You know, looking at Diaz, you go into the ninth inning with the lead, it's more often than not going to be. It's lights out. It's yeah, over. It's it's done. Plow. So. Snap back to reality. Oh, there goes gravity. <laughs> Why did you fade away when you did that? I don't know. Whoop. There goes gravity. Oh, Our my number. goodness. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think Edwin Diaz being back is going to be huge um, at the back end. Adovino, Rayleigh is back from last year. I like where the Mets got here with this bullpen. Starting rotation. Adam Adovino. Oh, yep. my goodness. A 38-year-old is still slinging Fresh it. Fresh from Atlanta, right? So, what? Was he in Atlanta? No, he was with us last year. I know year. he was with you guys, but I thought he was with Atlanta at one point. Um, Let's see. Rockies, Yankees, Mets. Any other stops along the way? I thought he... Uh, maybe I'm stupid. I don't know. Who's the guy... Um, They have an Adam in their bullpen. At least they did for a long time. Um, Who's the guy Stott hit the three-run bomb off of in the July game? Oh, man. I'm, I'm thinking of A.J. Minter? A.J. Minter. Yeah, exactly. How did you? <laughs> you get me, buddy. <laughs> so. Not even remotely close. I was just thinking of guys who start with A in that bullpen. And, and <laughs> I'm surprised you at least went with starting with the letter A. That was that was a good move. Yeah. That was. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think A.J. Minter and Adam Adovino are the same person, actually. <laughs> True story. I've gone my whole life thinking. It's not the first time you've thought two people were the same. Just look at Corbin Burns and you, Darvish. Okay, that was a mistake. That was a mistake. Oh, my goodness. Dude, Corbin Burns, like, he's so old. Like, why would anyone want Ay ay ay. Let's keep moving on here. Wow. Third place in the NL East from last year, the Miami Marlins, who I think are most certainly primed to take a step back. Oh, Let's absolutely. Look at their over-under win total here. It is set at 78.5. Oh. So they are also seeing a, I think, a setback in store for the Marlins. How far back, Jack? 84 wins last year. I'm going to go under. I don't oh. see this group above. Wow. I think it's a very similar group to the Mets last year. I don't see the path to over... 77 wins of this group. I think they're going to finish at 75 if I had to pinpoint a specific number. The lineup just does not impress me at all. I mean, yes, you have Arias, 
Josh Bell is is a good piece. Just the most annoying human on the planet. Yeah, Jazz Chisholm's good, but after that, oh, I mean, sorry, second most behind Jazz Chisholm. Like, I don't see, I don't see the the. They lost Solaire. behind this lineup. Yeah, they, you lost Solaire when he better power hitters. So, you know, below, I'd cut the line at Jake Berger as the, as the last possible threat in this lineup. You, you know, they're five through nine. Project that it is Brian De La Cruz, Jesus Sanchez, Av- Aviseo Garcia, John Birdie, and Nick Fortes. John Birdie, oh like my this goodness. is not good. No, it's this not. This is not good at all. I mean, I the home runs are. This would be one of the least potent lineups in terms of power potential in the entire league. And especially like if one of those top four goes down for any extended period of time, that's going to be a real struggle. Yeah. So the rotation is going to be good. The Marlins are built on their pitching in terms of starting pitching. Well, that's the point I was going to make. The, the Marlins have always been pitching. Yeah. yeah. Bullpen, I don't love either. You know, they're projected back back three: AJ Puck, Andrew Nardi, and Tanner Scott. Just, Tanner Scott sounds like a rapper. I don't know, man. I don't know. It just I don't I don't love it. I, I don't love it. I think they creep over that 78 and a half. Give me 80 wins for the Marlins. They're the definition of pesky. Uh, even with these guys that you don't think could really harm you, they always tend to grab a few. Uh, they turn sweeps into you know salvaging one game. They turn uh, what should be a series win into, oh, all of a sudden a team fighting for a playoff spot lost a series to the Marlins. Uh, give the Marlins to just creep over uh, thanks to their starting pitching, neutralizing some more potent offenses. All right. Let's move it on. Second place from last year, none other than your Philadelphia Phillies. Philadelphia um, Phillies. The line set it over under 89 and a half. Ooh, okay. Right around where they were last year. Yep. A lot of people team last year. For you know, whatever reason, expect this team to just stay stagnant. Could not be more false. Could not be more false. Either the Phillies are going to utterly collapse and become the Mets of last year and finish with 82 wins. Or the Phillies are, are going to push 96 wins, I think I put my ceiling at. I, I really think, look at look at it this way. Figure this. Um, Phillies were not at full strength until August last year when they went on a torrid pace of winning. Right? Bryce Harper was injured and then not at full strength for four months of the season. Trey Turner was lost for the same four months of the season. Um, and you had... Players like Ranger Suarez, Jose Alvarado, Sir Anthony Dominguez hurt throughout the first few months of the season. Uh, when all of these pieces came back into form, they clicked, and they clicked hard, bro. Like, it went really well for the Phillies after uh, August 1st. I think a full season of Bryce Harper fully back, comfortable at first base. Trey Turner comfortable in Philadelphia. Nick Castellanos got back to form last year. Kyle Schwarber I think could be even more productive. He's focused on uh, hitting the other way. I don't know if you've seen this. That's kind of been his focus in spring training uh, and and supplying more base hits. He's also going to be solidly in the DH spot almost every single day, and uh, I think that stability provides amazing uh, results for Kyle Schorber as well. I think there's room to improve on this team. Uh, Guys growing like Marsh and Stott, I think, are primed for for even better years. Really, the only downsides, the only downturns I see are in the Rojas spot. The uh, JT Romuto, I think, is poised for some more, uh, you know, decline as a catcher getting older. And I think Alec Bohm has peaked. I really don't expect much growth from Alec Bohm. So I, I think there is room for this team to grow. I think the pitching, Wheeler Nola, still good. Ranger, still great. Um, and the bullpen, let's hope. Let's hope Orion Kirkran can be good. But he, 
you know, just has to match what Craig Kimbrell did last year to uh, to equate last year's bullpen to this year's bullpen. So I think the uh, I think the Phillies go over. I think they go over. Give me ninety four wins. All right, um, I'm gonna give you my thoughts real quick, but. Before I do, I have a message from the KOR Notebook. Attention to KU students. Did you know undergraduate research and creativity gives you many of the resources needed to publish and present your work at regional, national, or international levels? To learn more, please visit www.kutztown.edu forward slash UGRC. You can also stay up to date on conferences and publication opportunities by following UGRC on Instagram at UGRC underscore KU. This message of community interest is brought to you by the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR. All right, back here. Final stages of hour number one. But don't you worry, we got a whole nother hour coming your way next. Taking you till 7 p.m. Um, all right, let's keep it moving. Let's talk about the Phillies. You talked about, you gave your thoughts over 94. I'm going to give you mine. I'm going to slightly lean over. Again, I think it's a very similar result to last year, and my reasoning for that is a lot of it's the same team. And this team has not shown the ability to fully put it together to look dominant over 162-game stretch. Yes, injury factors were a big part of it last year. But I don't know, man. This group always just has their lapses for a little bit of time. For the first two months. That's really what it is. Yeah, for a month and a half, Till June. This group's just quiet out of the gates. And I don't see that changing this year. So I think... They're they're gonna get to ninety two is my marker. I'm gonna have them going over. Phillies get ninety two wins this year. I'm very confident in that number, um, but slightly in at the over ninety two. Again, the lineup's potent. A lot of good bats in there. You know, largely the same starting rotation and the bullpen. You'll see what it's gonna be. Again, Kirkring's gonna have to be a big piece of that. But you know, does Jeff Hoffman in the in the eight hole eighth inning spot really scare me? Why would Jeff Hoffman be in the 8-hole? That's what this is projected as. Really? Who wrote that? That's stupid. According to fan graphs. Alvarado's in the 8. So They have Alvarado's the closer. What? Unfortunately, that's going to be Kirkran, which is dumb. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. Oh, watch, dude. That's what's going to happen. So we'll see. Yeah, I, I think there's still a bullpen piece away, to tell you the truth. Yeah. I think that... Uh, I do like it that they, it gives them something clear to do at the trade deadline, and I won't be bored that day again. But uh, yeah, maybe Ro- maybe Rojas gets moved in a in a trade for a, for a bullpen piece. One can only dream, right? Yeah, we we will see. All right, none. How other... high would your win total? Sorry to cut you off. You're good. How high would your win total jump if they signed a Montgomery? Ninety ninety five. Okay, I like that number. I like so. that number. I think he's. You think he's a three-win player? Yeah, like a three-war guy. Hmm. So okay, three uh, wins better than Christopher Sanchez. Yeah, or Taiwan Walker if he decided to bump out. That's an interesting thing. I have actually, I have a lot of faith in Taiwan this year. I, I'm oddly calm about it. It's the same calm I got about the Eagles when they lost to the Niners. So it's not a good calm. No, it's not. You know not. what happened after that, right? Yeah, I do. So. <laughs> Remember how calm I was the next day? Yep. <laughs> so, oh man, you were you were oddly calm. I must have been in Egypt because I was in denial. So, um, let's talk about the Braves. Let's let's round out um, Ugh, this first hour to? by talking about Atlanta. Um, their over under line is set at it's going to be a really high number one hundred and four one hundred one point five. Oh. oh. Can I be bold? I'm going the under. 
You're going the under? I think Atlanta's going to regress a little bit. Can you can you explain that? Um, I don't love the pitching. And I don't think they're going to be out, able to outmash people all season long. I think there's going to be stretches where the bats go a little cold. Okay. Um, I don't think they, they you know, look at their pitching staff. Read it to me. Spencer Strider, Max eh. Freed, eh. Charlie Morton, Chris Sale, and <laughs> Bryce Elder. Yeah. Give me that. Again, it, it's all dependent on what they're going to get out of Sale. I mean, if Sale could stay healthy, he could be a big piece for them. But if he goes down, they're going to have to tap into some of that depth, and that's where things can get a little messy. Yeah, I think the pitching is, you know, the starting pitching is where outside of Strider and Freed, what are you going to get? You know, mixed bag out of that three through five. And Freed's had his injury problems. If he goes down for an extended portion of time, his rotation could be in a world of hurt. So the Braves are a pitcher injury away from the Phillies winning this division. So that that could get a little problematic. Lineup wise, I don't see much regression. This is a group that's they're a good hitting team, loaded with talent. Plus, they added Jared Kelnick, so we'll see what they can get out of him. Uh, former top prospect uh, was part of the Edwin Diaz trade. Just didn't quite pan out with the Mariners. Um, showed some flashes, but they dumped him in a trade. And uh, he's with Atlanta now, so we'll see what they can do. So that means he's going to win MVP. Yeah, it means he'll probably hit like 25 home runs this year, <laughs> back close to 300. Yep. So I don't love the bench either, man. Travis Darno's good, but David Travis Darno's an insane bench piece. I'm sorry. Yeah, he is, but. David Fletcher, Luis Guillorme, and Forrest Wall. I am just not that. That bench is not great for Atlanta. Guillorme. Yeah, I know what I saw. Plenty of him in the Mets. So, yeah. No, and the bullpen is still really scary. good. Bullpen is eh, really good. It's okay. Added Aaron Bummer and Ronaldo Lopez. I think yeah. it's a, it was a strong group from last year, uh, and I think it's going to be just as good this year. So bullpens are volatile, though. They are. They hard are. to predict. Probably the hardest part of sports to predict. One hundred percent. Hundred percent. All right. Um. Do we want to even get in to the last NL Central? It is um a little, little less than two minutes, so we could get. Let's get one team out of the way. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's go to the St. Louis Cardinals. They were the bottom feeders in this division last year. Over on a projected win total eighty five and a half. Wow. For so a fifth place team, going from seventy one wins to eighty five and a half. A lot of that's built off their pitching moves. Yep. Um, well, for good reason, they made some good pitching moves. They did. They they most certainly did. Lineups staying mostly the same, bringing up their star uh, shortstop prospect Mason Wynn. A lot of young guys in this lineup, so we'll see what they can get out of them. But the pitching is where it's at. Sonny Gray, Kyle Gibson, and Lance Lynn all coming over to this team uh, to to build around Miles Miles Mac- Michaelis and uh, Stephen Matz in this rotation. So they go. Wholesale retool and fully investing in the starting rotation. It's going to be one of the better units in the league, I believe. Um, upper half, I think it's most certainly pushing the top ten of rotations in the in the MLB. Bullpen's still pretty good. They got some good back end guys in Giovanni Gallegos, Ryan Helsley. Uh, however, I'm still going under. I see this group as an 83 win team. Oh, I was right around there, man. I'll give my you know I'll, I'll touch on it as we uh, exit the break. But we are just about at that hourly uh, break. So on the other side. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, we'll talk more over under win totals, and we'll get into some other sports, hockey, college hoops, and more. A whole nother hour of heavy hitters awaits you. Don't touch that dial right here. After the break on the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR Kutztown. And welcome on in. It's our number two here of heavy hitters. Mitchell Smedley, Jack Heim rocking with you on this Monday evening till 7 o'clock. Six right now. Uh, we've got a whole nother hour of sports talk. On the horizon for you. Spent the entire first hour talking MLB. Uh, we'll continue talking some MLB 
and then we'll get. Uh, I think we'll cruise through the rest of these uh, yeah. a little more quickly. Yep. Got yep. through six of the fifteen teams. We'll cruise through the last nine, and then we'll head over to some NHL and some college hoops. Want to spend some more time going deep on the East? Yeah, division. the East is more you know, important. Th- that's our domain. That's yeah. our homeland. Our two teams are there. Hey. Our rivals are there. So this just, land is your land. Yeah, just this land is us, my land. It's easy for us to talk about. Absolutely. Yep. It's my favorite to talk about too. Agreed. Let's uh, move on. Fourth place in the Central, I believe, belonged to Pittsburgh last year. It did. It did. The Pittsburgh Pirates finished with 76 wins last year. So we're going to take a look at their projected win total. Let me scroll down, figure it out here. There we go. There's the Pirates. Over-under set at 75.5, so right around the same line. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna start it off here. I'm going to go over. I see this group as a 79-win team this year. A slight step forward for the Pirates. I think it's a group that they're young. I like the lineup. I, I like O'Neill Cruz. I like Brian Reynolds. Brian Hayes shown some flashes. I like Jack Sawinski. He's a left-handed power bat. And they added some interesting veterans around. Rowdy Telez, Yasmani Grandal. Uh, two guys going to be fitting into this lineup here. Uh, Telez kind of taking that veteran first baseman role like Carlos Santana had last year. Um, you also can't forget Henry Davis off the bench. Um, you have the, the starting rotation, too. It's an interesting assortment of guys. Mitch Keller, they signed Martin Perez, traded for Marco Gonzalez. Uh, and then the bullpen, the back end, I think, is really nice with Colin Holderman, Aroldis Chapman, David Bednar. Uh, I'm going to go 79 wins for the Pirates. Give me the over. Give me the under. I'm not impressed by Whoa. any of the names you just listed, except for maybe, like, O'Neal. Um, yeah, I like a couple of the young guys. Still lackluster to me. Let's go, Bucks. No. no. By the way, are you going to that? Yeah, there's a bus trip offered for a Phillies Pirates game. Really? Through, when? Through Kutztown. I think it's in uh, April. I should go. But you should pick up our first call tonight. Um, I, I don't know. I'm just not impressed with the veterans that the Pirates brought in. They're still young. They still feel a year or two away from actually in- increasing their win total in any uh, sustainable manner. And I just think that they're one of the worst teams in this league, and I don't know where they're going to be able to muster up about 80 wins from. So give me the under just barely, around 75 wins for the All right. Padre, or Pirates. Well, yep. Who we got on the line, Let's Jack? meet our first caller of the night, John from Schnecksville. John, how are we doing? I'm doing really good. How are you guys doing? We're all right, man. What's on your mind? All right, listen, so I'm going to tell you to brace yourself, but before I get into really why I called, I'm just going to say about the St. Louis Cardinals, I agree with I agree with both of you about their pitching. I think that division that division winner rolls in about eighty five to eighty seven. So I'm gonna say along with the Cubs and the Reds that the Cardinals will battle for that division the entire season. That's my point on, on the East and like St. Louis. It. I think all those teams those three teams are bunched up. I think the Milwaukee Brewers take a step back and the Pirates are the Pirates. However, back to the East where, as you guys said, we live Diehard Met fan, trying to take that bias out of this. What I'm going to say is this. I think the Mets finished third. Maybe eke out. Maybe eke out a playoff spot. However, I think, Mitch, I agree with you. I think the Braves take a step back. But unfortunately, I think your Phillies take a step back as well. And I'll explain why. You have three significant bats that scare me in your lineup. You have Schwarber. You'd be a fool to say anything else. Obviously, Harper and Turner. Outside of that, nobody else scares me. Just being honest. I'd say the same thing about the Mets. It would be Alonzo, and it would be the shortstop and the catcher. After that, eh, you're not really scared of anybody. Maybe McNeil from an average perspective. Where I think the Phillies are going to take a step back is I think this starting pitching is a year older. 
I think they were kind of mid a little bit next last year. Injury woes a little bit, and the bullpen is nah, it is what it is. So honestly, I think they're rolling under ninety. Mitch, don't fall off your chair, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thank you, John. I appreciate it. I just want to point out they had one of the best bullpens in baseball last year, and uh, they had a very good starting pitching staff as well. Uh, you know, even when they were servicing guys like uh, Christopher Sanchez and, and Michael Lorenzen, I, I think if this pitching staff can stay stable, uh, it actually is pretty pretty lethal and pretty good. I'm expecting a little bit of a bounce back from Tywin Walker. But the point I mainly want to get to is that you're not scared of anyone outside of those three guys you listed. I mean, you got Nick Castellanos. He hit 29 bombs last year. He hit 29 bombs. I I, listen, I, I get it, but li, li, honestly. Stott? You don't, you're not scared of Stott? He's a hidden no. machine. Uh, listen, I like Stott. I'll, I'll be fair. I like Stott. But here's the thing. Liking a player and fearing a player. Like when Bryce Harper comes to the plate in a big moment, you're like, okay, you're on the edge of your seat. You don't know what's going to happen. Schwarber, same thing, because that guy could hit the ball out of you know Yellowstone Park. <laughs> but, you know, Turner, Turner just kills the Mets anyway. But, no, that, when I say fear, I mean, it's like, okay, this guy can really do a ton of damage here. So it's like those are the guys when you're going into a game, you go, all right, got to watch out for those guys. You know, it's like Alonzo. You know, okay, that guy can really hurt you in the wrong spot. Yeah, no, so that's what I mean, just to be context of what I say when those are the guys I fear in your lineup. Okay. What about, uh, I mean, Nick, Nick Castellanos, two things I'll say. Nick Castellanos was the first player in MLB history to hit back-to-back postseason games two home runs. I agree. And I, I think that's pretty dangerous. That's pretty lethal. But also, well, how many guys do the Braves have that you're, like, fearful of? Uh, honestly, uh, if, you, if you don't fear Acuna, you're crazy. Yeah, Acuna, Olsen, Riley. Uh, Olsen, Olsen. The problem with Olsen is not only does he hit, like, 30, 40 home runs, he also hits, like, 40 doubles. Yeah. I mean, the guy's uh, – yes, he's legit. You know, the catching spot collectively you'd worry about. But – uh, a third baseman. Austin uh, Riley, That's the yeah. thing. It's like, you look, there's like four guys. Three or four. I, I think the Phillies four. have about four or five. Yeah. Listen, I, I'm with you. I agree. I, I don't think their pitching staff is like what everyone thought it was. It's, you know, it's not it's not the Dodgers, that's for sure. So what's but the – what, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. What's the defining feature between the Phillies and Braves for you, looking at the I, two honestly, teams? Honestly, I don't really think there is one. And if you look at the playoffs the last couple of years, you guys handle them when it counts. Yep. So I just – but my thing is – it's a it's a it's another year with Wheeler. Nola was eh, half and half last year. Yep. I don't know. It's like and after that, look, we I did the Tyon Walker experiment. I know what that's like. <laughs> you guys didn't even have courage to pitch him in the postseason. Correct. That, that's damning. So that's kind of where I'm at. Okay. Yeah, I appreciate the call, John. Thank you so much for listening. Um, and I will I will say this. I think that uh, if you even beyond the playoffs, if you look at the Final four months of each of the last seasons, the last two seasons. Phillies have been comparable to the Braves in every single way. Every single way. They've only been a couple of games worse over that stretch. If you get the bad start out of the way for the Phillies, I mean, if they can get off to a decent start, it's it's sky's the limit for this team. They can compete for the division. They've, been, they, they've just been so far out of it to start the season. No one's really paid attention. So I appreciate the call, and I, I think you're right that, sure, the, the Phillies only have three real guys that are going to, just slug all season long and that actually strike fearful fear into your heart when you're watching the baseball game. But I, I don't think there's many teams that have more than, than three. That's really what you what you look for on a team is that trio. Um, Jack, interested on your thoughts as well as a KUR notebook. 
Yeah, I'll give, you the, I'll give you the notebook first, and I'll give you my thoughts real quick. From the KOR Notebook Attention KU community, the deadline for early consideration of room reservations and activities for the 2024-25 academic year is noon on Friday, March 8th. When planning for the upcoming academic year, there are a few important considerations. Requests must be submitted through the EMS room reservation system by a faculty or staff member. For student organizations, early reservation requests should be made by the organization's advisor. Events received after noon on Friday, March 8th will be handled on a first-come basis. Events submitted outside the 2024-25 academic year will be handled at a suitable time following scheduling policies. If you have any questions, please call 3-4105, extension line 3-4105, or email jgarcia at kutztown.edu. This message of community interest is brought to you by the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR. All right, back here, hour number two of Heavy Hitters. My thoughts, look, yeah. Great call from John, by the way. Absolutely, great call from John. I think it was a detailed and, and it was enriching call. It was enriching. So, I liked it. Yeah. Um, look, my thoughts, yeah, I don't see a lot of separation between these two teams. I think the Braves and, and, and Phillies are in a similar spot, despite their win total projections being 12 apart. I think the gap's a little bit closer. And the pitching worries me for Atlanta on the service level. I don't love the depth there. I don't love the starting pitching is what really worries it's, me. It's the glaring flaw, right? It is. And it's the but at the end of the day, they're the Braves, and they figure it out, and they find a way to just get through it, right? So I, I think got the Braves a, I got a Braves fan who I was just talking to over the weekend, and he put it, we were talking about something completely different, but it's totally his mentality with his Braves as well. The best defense is a good offense, is what he said to me about three times in a row over the weekend. Yeah, but and bad that defense, seems to be the Braves' approach. <laughs> yeah, but bad defense can also lose you baseball games. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, while that's an applicable statement to the Braves situation, they just want to go out slug people. It's not applicable to winning a World Series in my mind. Yep. Just why they haven't done it. Yeah. Well, so did it three years ago. They did, but entirely different. Pretty philosophy. recent. They had yeah. Freddie Freeman. Didn't have Ronald Wilson. Acuna. Didn't have Olsen, didn't have Michael Harris on that team. Yeah, uh, these Braves don't seem like winners to me. A lot of the guys on this team do not seem like winners to me. They seem like no. me, 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 and culture. not team. The culture is the problem. They can win in the regular season, but when it matters, Do you think the Phillies have won because of culture in the last two playoffs? I, oh, absolutely. Really? I think these guys are a very tight-knit group, and that's what it takes to win. When you're around your, you know, these guys as much as you are, your teammates, your coaches, etc., the support staff, um, you got to have a tight knit culture. You can't just be selfish. It's not all about individual accolades. Yeah, that can get you through a regular season, but that can't take you to the places where you're teetering on the line of winning a World Series, going to a World Series, going to a conference championship series. Um, in two consecutive years, you got to have a strong culture to do that. You got to have strong belief in your guys from top to bottom, not only as a coaching staff, but as teammates. And that's, I think, been the defining marker. You see it when these two teams square off against each other in the playoffs. Night and day difference. It's, it's teams who look completely different in the postseason. It's why the Phillies have won the last two years against the Braves. It's more of a team-based mentality compared to Atlanta, where you see a group that, yeah, they have all the talent in the world, but when things get tough, they, they fold, man. It's it's they, they completely just shrivel and collapse on themselves. And, you know, they were one Austin Riley home run away. You take that away from getting, getting swept. swept. <laughs> getting swept by the Phillies, man. It, it was... I don't know. I don't know what the problem is. I don't think it's the manager because they won a World Series under him, but... I don't know. It, it's, it's a tough it thing. It seems like the players, man. You look at Orlando Arcee's actions in that Oh, he's an imbecile. Year. I mean, that Catalyzed is... Catalyzed the Phillies. That is a glaring sign 
of a bad culture, I think. It's an interesting thing you talk about, talking about the Phillies being so close-knit, because that's a lot of the rhetoric we're hearing out of Phillies camp, and that's why they're comfortable running the same team back predominantly, because they feel like we have a tight-knit group of guys, we're going to be fine. I don't know. I think you need to add a little bit more talent, but there's something to be said in those series in the playoffs. Like, you know, with the exception of what happened down in Arizona, which has always been a terrible place for Philadelphia to play, and coming back home after that. Um, and, and, you know, the Astros were just a better team. That was, you know, they yeah. were bound to explode. They were a juggernaut. They were insane. So, I mean, you can see it. You can feel it when the Phillies get into the playoffs. Um, it's a combination of the guys of the fans. It's just everything about this team screams winning in the postseason. I just want one season where we win in the regular season and get the respect for these guys that they deserve. I want a division title, Jack. I want like I've seen the same movie two years in a row. I want a World Series, of course, but like before that, I want a division title. I, I want people to respect this. Oh, they're just a wild card team. Th- these Phillies are a real baseball team. They pack a punch. They pack a punch. So, it's my thoughts. Um, back to the NL Central. Yeah, let, let's start cruising through these a little bit more so we can conserve some time. We're going to go rapid fire through the Central. We'll talk more in depth about the top two teams in the West in my mind. That's kind of where yeah. my thought process was at. Let's talk about last year's third place team, the Cincinnati Reds. Um, their over-under line is, is projected at 81.5. Give me the over. Um, yeah, The I'm top three take... are going to be bunched up. I'm going to take the over as well. I got them at around 84 wins. Yep. Give me um, 83. Very similar lineup as last year, like the veteran addition to Jamer Candelario. Yep. Pitching rotation. It's a young group uh, with some interesting veterans combined in Nick Martinez, Frankie Montas, uh, and the bullpen of like Alexis Diaz in the back end. Uh, but the young talent's going to really show itself. Reds go over. Second place, let's talk about the Cubs. The Cubs, man, they're tough to talk about for me because I think they still have an incomplete offseason. 83 and a half wins to the line. I got this group at over. Um, I think they're adding something. I think they're adding something, too. Whether it's Matt Chapman, whether it's Cody Bellinger, this lineup can no way, shape, or form be complete as it currently stands. Uh, you have your starting outfield of Mike Talkman, Ian Happ, and Seiya Suzuki. I think they're a piece off. I think you slot Cody Bellinger back in center. That's a really nice group. Um, I like the pitching with the big addition of Shota Iminaga around Justin Steele uh, and Kyle Hendricks. Bullpen-wise, um, Hector Neris, really solid addition back there, I think, along with the NC Almonte. I like the over for the Cubs. Yeah, me as well. And last but not least, let's talk about last year's divisional winner, the Milwaukee Brewers. Over-under set at 77.5. That means they have to go from first to almost last. And I see it happening. I see it happening. I do, too. As much as this group's been able to consistently put it together, they've lost too much. I, I simply put, I think they've lost too much. I'm going to pull up their their projected opening day roster real quick so we can take a quick run through. But the lineup, added I like. Hoskins. I like the lineup. They added Hoskins. They have Yelich, Contreras. I like the young outfielders of South Freelick, um, Garrett Mitchell. The lineup, I think, is still going to be solid. The pitching, man, it's just what worries me. You have your back three of your rotation of Jacob Junis, Colin Ray, and D.L. Hall. I, I don't think that's going to be good enough to consistently get it done. Yes, the bullpen should still be pretty decent. Devin Williams, of course, in the back end. But I'm going to go slightly under. Give me 76. Williams gets moved at the deadline. Give me the under uh, as they sell some pieces later in the season. All right. Let's move on. Colorado Rockies in the NL West. Not a lot to talk about here. This group's no. going to be 
pretty dreadful again. Over under 59 and a half wins. They had 59 last year. I'm going to go over. I'm going to give them 62. I don't think they're going to be as bad as 59. I mean, it's hard to be worse than 59. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. I think they'll stumble to 60. Yeah, 62, I think, is a, a decent number. They still have some savvy vets Charlie Blackman, uh, Chris Bryant, Ryan McMahon. Um, not a lot else in the lineup. I do like Nolan Jones, though. He's a younger guy for the Rockies. Do you like him? He had a good year last year. I think he'll continue to build on that. Pitching-wise, it's always going to be rough and coarse. I like Cal Quantrill. Sneaky addition them for them in that rotation, though. Uh, and the bullpen, mostly the same as it was last year. Not going to be good. Um, so, 62 for the Rockies. Yep. I got 60. All right. The San Francisco Giants uh, were in fourth place. But, I think before we round this out, it is time for a first break. So... Rapid Fire will continue for the NL West when we come back in hour number two of Heavy Hitters here on KUR. We're back! Hour number two of Heavy Hitters here on KUR. We're through the first 20 minutes. we got another 40 coming your way. As always, Jack Heim alongside Mitchell Smedley talking all things MOB. We're going through over-under projected win totals of all the National League teams. We find ourselves on the West Coast talking the NL West. We started with the Colorado Rockies, who are going to have a lowly 2024 season. Don't see anything above 60 uh, two wins on my end. You said 60. We're in pretty much the same agreement there. Let's move on to the Bay Area. The San Francisco Giants, new manager Bob Melvin. Over under projected at 81 and a half. I like that number. 79 wins last year for these Giants. They added Jung Ho Lee from the KBO. They sign Jorge Soler, add some more thump to that lineup. Uh, pitching wise, they bring in Jordan Hicks over from the Blue Jays um, to add alongside Logan Webb, their ace, and a, one of their younger guys, Kyle Harrison. We'll see how this rotation goes. Uh, they have some nice flamethrowing power at the end of this bullpen with Camilo Doval as their closer. Um, Mitchie, who did they lose, Jack? Who did they lose? Uh, let me scroll up here. They lost Sean Mania, uh, Jacob Junis, Jock Peterson, um, Paul DeYoung, Alex Wood, and others. So that's just a mm. small list. Brandon Crawford's still unsigned, uh, as is A.J. Pollock. So. It gets past Pollock, goes to the wall. One run scores, here comes King Ray. The Phils are going to win the ballgame. AJ Pollock, yeah, just missing a ball in center field. What is it with the Dodgers in that? <laughs> remember, remember a couple years ago when Yasi? Oh no, that was the, that was the Nationals for the Dodgers. Yasiel Puig went under the glove of Michael A. Taylor. Yes, and did a walk off inside the park. Oh my goodness. So, um, but yeah, well, what what are your thoughts on the Giants? Do you think they can get over eighty two wins? I'll take the under. Okay, I think they finish right around eighty wins again. I, it's the the Giants never move. Like, they never, I don't know. They had that 107-win season, which is just so weird. And otherwise, I feel like they, they're the same every year. I'm going to disagree. I'm going to go the over. I got the Giants at 83 wins. I think they're going to finish third in this division. I think they're going to flip-flop with the Padres from last year. I, I like the additions in the lineup. I think Solaire gives them a really good power boost there. A much-needed power addition for this lineup. Um, I think... Matt Chapman could still be on the way, possibly. Um, so I'm going to go the over. Uh, I think they're going to finish third behind um, Arizona and the Dodgers. Yeah, if they get Chapman, that changes things. So, but 
With or without Chapman, I think they're still a better team than San Diego. With or without you. So, speaking of the Padres, let's talk about them. San Diego, over same line, over under 81 and a half. Oh. I'm going to go the under. I'm going to go even further under. So I do not like this group. Again, they're running back the same lineup predominantly as last year. They lost Juan Soto, lost Trent Grisham. You finished with 82 wins and you lose Juan Soto. How could you not take a step back? Um, plus, they didn't add anything. So... I'm going to go 77 wins for the Padres. Um, Give me 74. This pitching rotation should be pretty good. Yeah, they'll be with decent. Joe Musgrove, Hugh Darvish, Michael King as that top three. The bullpen, I'm interested to see how it goes. They added Wandy Peralta. They added a lot of guys. Yeah, you, I mean, you mentioned the pitching side. They also lost Blake Snell. Yes. So, again, how could this team not take a step back? I got 77 wins 74. for the Padres. So. All right, let's move on. Second place from last year, and your NL champion, Arizona Diamondbacks. I think this is a group who is going to be really, really good. Now, while they're going to be really, really good, this is an, this is an atrocious line to me. 83.5 wins projected wow. for the Diamondbacks? That is low. That is a low number. I'm going to go over. I'm going to go with the soaring over. They had 84 wins last year. I'm going to have this group sitting at 89 wins this year for the Arizona Diamondbacks. I think they're well capable of pushing 90. They have Jock Peterson. They had Eugenio Suarez. Uh some more thump added to this lineup, more power. I like those moves. Uh, some nice veteran pieces. Uh, they bring in Tucker Barnhart as a backup catcher. Randall Gritchick, a sneaky little bench piece. Um, and then the rotation, they added Wardo Rodriguez, who was the ace of the Tigers last year, to come over and be their number three starter behind Zach Allen and Merrill Kelly. Plus Brandon Fott at the four. All saw what he could do in the biggest moments in the playoffs last year. Thank you. Um, not just against the Phillies, did it against the Dodgers too. I know. Uh, but... And then this bullpen, the magical back end of Kevin Ginkle and Paul Seawald. I think this group is primed to take a step forward from 84. They're going to smash that over. I agree. Uh, how does it work? So the the three, not the three seed, but the, uh, what am I trying to say? Um, I so don't know. The win, So you know how there's the three wild cards, right? Correct. So the top wild card plays the second wild card. And if they win, who do they... Who, who do they play, the first or the second best team? They would play... So, if all the favorites won, like right. the top wild card won, and... Yeah. Like, no, because uh, it's the same. It's it's a fixed bracket. Yeah, yeah. So, the winner of 4-5... So, like, 6 could beat 3, and it's still the same matchup. Yeah. Um, Let's see. I'm trying to think about who played who last year. Who was the top wild cards in the NL? Phillies. Phillies. Yeah, so they would go to play the 1. Really? Is it the 1? Okay. Yeah, because the Braves are the 1 last year. All right, sounds good. I, I couldn't remember if the Braves or Dodgers were the yep. one. Yeah, so the the winner of the 4-5, or the 5-6, technically. Goes the 4-5. Four, a 4-5, five. Oh, four, five, yeah. yeah. Why am I thinking it's 7? This isn't the NFL. Nope. Um. So the 4-5 goes to play the 1. Yeah. Um, and then so three, a weird part the of me is hoping that the Diamondbacks finish better than the Phillies. Yeah. And set up you don't a see them. third year in a row. For Atlanta, for Atlanta, I don't want to. I don't want to face the Dodgers. Well, actually, and I'm very comfortable with these five game series against Atlanta. The only way you'd see Atlanta if the Dodgers finish better than them is to get the last wild card and win. Why? If Atlanta's the two seed, oh yeah, I'm dumb. No, uh, yes. If Atlanta's the two seed, and Philly is the five. six seed, yeah, you would have to get the last wild. Yeah, card, or the yeah, yeah, yeah. So if we get four or five, we go play the, the six seed. So if you got the six, then you'd meet Atlanta again. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think you want the six seed though. Six seed nervous. You want to sweat me. that out. I don't want. No, I don't want to have to go to. I don't want to have to go to Chicago. <laughs> Imagine going to like Milwaukee if they somehow did it and play Reese. No, no, I don't want to. Oscar. 
Hoskins with a drive! Earns the filler season! And he's ended his old team! Chucks the bat towards their dugout oh, with all no. respect! Hoskins with his state-of-the-art <laughs> bat slam! <laughs> and he's staring in that dugout! <laughs> that Hoskins stares down Kirkerin. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> that would be insane! That would be insanity! <laughs> Oh my goodness. What are the odds? What are the odds? So, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness, I can't. That's so funny. Let's talk about the last team, though. Yeah. Let's move it on, and we all know where we're going here. Boo! We're going to the Los Angeles Dodgers, and we all know what we're going to pick. Over under 103 and a half wins. We're going the, I'm going the over. I'm going over. I mean, they're going to get 110. I yeah, think probably. I think they're going to 110. Are they going to lose? Are they going to lose a game? You add Shohei Otani. You add Teoscar Hernandez. This lineup, one through nine, is absurd. Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Shohei Otani, Will Smith, Max Muncie, James Outman, Teoscar Hernandez, Jason Hayward, and oh, yes, they get Gavin Lux back, who they didn't have all of last year. <laughs> just what they needed. Their bench, Austin Barnes, their backup catcher, a long time. Miguel Rojas, Chris Taylor, and added Manuel Margot through a trade. From the Rays. So. so the Dodgers understood the assignment. What's the weakness of this team? The Dodgers understood what an offseason is for. They went out and they got everybody. They said, yes, I want it. It was like a hungry person in a grocery store. And they, I mean, after choking the last couple seasons, getting eliminated in the divisional round, wow. I mean, my goodness, they got hungry. I mean, and then, and then if the lineup isn't good enough, they get... Yamamoto, Yoshinubu Yamamoto, Tyler Glass now, and James Paxton to help with the rotation. So now you look at their pitching depth. Walker Bueller's going to come back, I believe, at some point this year. Basically, Matt Veerling. Clayton Kershaw, they bring him back. I think he's going to be coming back at some point. Yeah. I don't know if Dustin May is going to be coming back, but they have so many guys who are going to be potentially coming back from injury this year, too, with pitching. It is absurd, and then the Dodgers bullpen always seems to be good. This is just unfair. Get ready for a lot of like really good Joe Davis calls this year. Who allowed this to happen? I don't. I, I really don't know. Who allowed this? The only actual key loss was Lance Lynn. <laughs> okay. If that's even considered, yeah, if that's key a key loss. loss. <laughs> when you added all the guys they did, it doesn't matter. Yeah, Lance who? Like they added a they had a hundred wins last year and they added all of these guys. Wow. How could they not get one ten? That's they called healthy? understanding the assignment, Jack. It really is. If they um, lose, if they like get any sort of eliminated, it's more embarrassing than the Mets last year. Oh my goodness, yeah. If they lose before the World Series, before the World Series, yeah, it is it is a catastrophe. I mean, yeah. they put themselves in a situation where it's World Series or bust. Yep, for the next like decade. Uh, yeah, they have to win every year. So, wow. I mean, that is scary. It is. How much That's... money are they? Uh, well, I think they invested over a billion dollars in yeah, total. For real. They're only paying Shohei two million. Yeah. So until he, until he gets, gets all that deferred money. Yeah, until he's done playing. So just sits on his couch and gets sixty eight million dollars handed to him. Yep. Oh my goodness. Wow. He signed for seven hundred million. That's unbelievable. I'm so mad at Yamamoto, dude. I know. With with uh, really, you had to go to the Dodgers with Dombrowski. Like you guys would be shocked if you knew the the amount of money we put on the table for him. And then he's like, nah, don't want it. Yeah, I'll go build a super team. Yeah, why, why not? not? Womp womp. I'll go join my other Japanese superstar and we'll make... When we could have spread the Japanese like supply lines to the East Coast and we could have you know, had a good thing going. If you're in his shoes, though, why not sign with the Dodgers, right? 
Um, because you want to expand the Japanese. Reach. He doesn't care about that. He wants to win. You can win on the Phillies. They've been doing it. Think about it. You could be the ace of the frontline team of baseball for the next decade. Or you could go to And the you're Phillies. still going to be the second biggest story on that team, by the way. Behind. Yeah. Behind Shohei. That's true. Could have been the front headliner of, of the Phillies. Would he have been, though? Yes. I think Harper would be. No. Yes. No. Harper would be until until he pitched. You don't know how unmarket you don't know how marketable or unmarketable a guy can be until he's on your team and playing. Oh, he'll he would have been marketable. I mean, yeah. You could force anything to be marketable, but a guy's personality is what makes him marketable. That's look why at Harper. Harper's marketable. Yeah. Like you look at the things he says, the things he does. That's what I don't makes think him I don't think Otani's very marketable. He's boring, quite frankly. He's just so good and does so much. He's just so dry. Like he doesn't have any good quotes or anything like that's that. That's why that's why the NHL is a real problem with marketing people. Yeah. They I, don't, mean, I mean they have no person. You want to talk about people who are unmarketable? The well, NHL so has zero marketable I players. I think they have a ton of marketable players. They just don't give outlets for them, right? Like have you, well, you seen these like guys talk? It's the communication so of guys on the ice though? Like I mean, hockey guys like are jawing at each other the whole yeah, game. Yeah, because the problem is you can't market a bunch of guys who just curse all the time. Sure you can. Go to streaming services. I would love to have hockey players do podcasts. Oh, man, that would be like, fun. Like, that's the one thing. I know we've randomly shifted topics here, yeah. but it's the one. It's actually where we're going next. They're the one league that just doesn't have that, man. Yeah. Like, Mookie Betts has his own podcast. You have, obviously, the Kelsey, the Kelsey brothers. brothers. You have, you know, a lot of other guys making media appearances and stuff like that. Former players in the NFL making headlines like that. Where's that for the NHL, man? Yeah, like Shaq it's a for the NBA, problem. stuff like that. It is a serious, serious problem. Yeah, it is. Um, I guess they, they don't want to hog the spotlight. They're all Canadian. Like That's know? why baseball's starting to grow again. The new yeah. rules plus all these stars who are just, you know, make it easier to get back into the game, man. It, yeah. It's it's so fun. I think we're in a really, really great time for, for covering baseball and, and, you know, looking at baseball as a really, really fun sport. So... Um, with that being said, though, that's going to do it for our lengthy baseball discussion. We still have a lot more to talk about. Let's talk about NHL, Mitchie. Yeah. Let's talk about the outdoor games. I know you Stadium had some series on your mind earlier on in the show. Um, so just you know, pour your heart out. Let's, All right, let's let's talk about. it. I'll here. get to the actual games that took place next, but first, I just want to say uh, during the Flyers Devils game, uh, the. NHL commissioner, who I just saw for the first time in my life Gary on that Bettman. broadcast today, what? Gary Bettman. Yeah, Gary Bettman. Um, wasn't that funny? We were just talking about who's the NHL um, commissioner. Well, there he was, sitting on a park bench. And he announced that next year's stadium series is going to the Ohio State uh, Horseshoe. Mm-hmm. And um, the Columbus Blue Jackets get to play on the biggest stage ever, ever in hockey. What? Who are they playing? Uh, I think it's Detroit. Ugh. Like... Who decided Ugh. this? What is the? There's not even rivalry ties. Is it there. Detroit? It might not be Detroit. It might be a. Let's see. I don't even know who. It's not Pittsburgh. Maybe it can't be the Blackhawks. I think it's the. I, I think it's Detroit. Oh, Jack's looking. See. But either way, Columbus. Yeah, the Red Wings. Yeah, look at Mitchie knowing something. So. I mean, Columbus does not belong within a thousand yards of the stadium series whatsoever. Terrible marketing decision. Like I said, he started talking. He's like, and it's going to be 
So we had 140,000 people in two nights at these games, and that's fantastic. But we're going to have over 100,000 people at one game next year. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, is he going to say Beaver Stadium? Beaver Stadium, question mark? And he goes, we're going to Ohio State, and we're going to have the Columbus Blue Jack. Like, why? They don't even have 100,000 fans. You should have done Michigan, and you should have done Detroit and Chicago. You could have done that, but even still. Even still, those teams aren't exciting. Well, yeah, the Red Wings have, both those teams have, A, have really good histories. B, they've had some fun matchups, and A, I don't yeah, know, and you also, get, they don't like each other. You get Bladard. Yeah, you get Bedard there. You get nice little Dylan Larkin, Alex DeBrinkett. I mean, the yeah. Red Wings have some really, really good players. That would have been a much better so, option. But the problem is, eh, it's the same teams who get the who get the uh, the stadium series stuff. Well, guess what? They're the biggest teams in the league. Yeah. They have the richest histories, and they're marketable for these games. I think, you know what they should do? I saw a really great idea possibly being pitched. They should make that a yearly thing, a uh, outdoor stadium series tournament between those four teams, Islanders, Rangers, Devils, and Flyers, oh. and have the winners of the two games square off against each other the next day. And you can also have the losers play each other, too. For kind of like a... You know, how the NBA has the in-season tournament. Mm, yes. Like, that would be so fun. That would All be cool. All four of those fan bases could get heavily invested. It would create some ruckus environments every single time. I agree. And it would just, it would also be great for the league. It would like, be why don't sports league. try these new ideas, right? Like, I don't know. If they're doing the college, like, the Beaver Stadium thing, Battle of Pennsylvania, like, that makes so much sense. Flyers-Penguins is some of the most entertaining hockey you'll ever watch. Go back and watch that 2012 series. Probably the best series ever played. I think it's about to get a lot less entertaining because the Penguins are getting really old. Yeah, they're fading, but still. It's still in it. You telling me the Blue Jackets are more exciting? Um, no, I did okay. not say that. Okay. Glad we're on the same page with that one. It's, so, it's the Columbus Blue Jackets. I, I know. mean, come on. Like they, I, I don't know. I feel like there were better, better, better opportunities options. for a bigger stadium like that. Like, like what are some other big college stadiums that, that could have fit that? Obviously, the big house in Michigan, sure. Um... I don't know, something oh, like that. Imagine a game at the Rose Bowl. Oh, man. Who would play there? Uh, Coyotes? No, that's California. Yeah, I know it's California. Like Kings. Yeah, I'm trying to think of good teams. Oh, you can't have God. the Ducks. Yeah, the Sharks. Not watching Cutter Goats. Sharks and Ducks just both no. stink right that's now. What I'm, I'm trying to think of big college stadiums in like in between two good teams. You could have like the Lightning against oh, like the Hurricanes dude, you know in, uh, in Georgia. Something like that. Washington Stadium, Seattle, Vancouver. Oh, buddy. That would be fun. That would be a nice Newer game. stage rivalry with the Kraken being a newer team. Vancouver is really heading in the right direction. That would be a fun game. I love that idea. What about like a um, – actually, no. Uh, are there two Texas teams in the NHL? Dallas. Dallas and uh, Houston doesn't have one. I think that's it. Yeah, okay. That's the only well, one. I was going to say. They've been talking about a Houston team for a while now. Yeah, it they hasn't have. happened. Yeah. Um, anyone near Tennessee that you could do? Anyone near the Nashville, Nashville Predators? No, that's what I'm oh, saying. Yeah, near. Near. <laughs> near. I'm yeah. sorry. Um, Nashville, Carolina? Yeah, that could be something. Nashville. At, at, like the, at the Tennessee Stadium at Leakland. Yeah. And maybe Nashville Caps. There's not really any ties there, but like DC. You could do like a... Yeah, like a DC versus, uh, like the they just did Caps Canes though I think last year. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah that popped into my mind. So actually, they did it at a right uh, in Raleigh at uh, the NC State football field. Huh. So. Yeah, that's good. So I, I don't know. I feel like there were better ideas that could have gone on, but uh, I love that that idea you brought up about the each each year having these four teams play because they all seem to love it. Yeah, exactly, man. Like the playing in the outdoor environment, man. These players live for it. Yeah, like, it's just fun. It's a lot of fun. Not so much fun for Sam Harrison. <laughs> no. He did not enjoy it. 
So, so we'll talk about that and uh, some more college hoops. I don't know why I said some more. Some college hoops. On the other side of our final break of the day, this is Heavy Hitters on the radio voice of Kutztown University, KUR Kutztown. Welcome back in, Heavy Hitters, final segment of the night. Don't worry, though. We'll be back on Friday at 10 a.m. If you haven't heard, we have settled into our schedule. Mondays, 5 to 7, and Fridays, 10 to 11. You won't want to miss it. Downgrading to three hours a week, just because we're in that little slump of the sports calendar. But there is still plenty to talk about uh, today. Let's talk that stadium series I was uh, ranting and raving about. The Flyers, I'll take the first game. Jack can tell you about the second game. Flyers and Devils faced off in a battle of turnpikes on Saturday evening. And 32 seconds in, Devils went up 1-0. They never looked back. 2-0 by the end of the first period. Uh, Flyers would get one back in the second with Owen Tippett, his 20th of the season. But uh, the Flyers would continue to take some penalty minutes. That would eventually cost them with the Devils netting their third and fourth goals late in the period, just a minute apart. Owen would get yet another goal, his 21st of the season, in the waning minutes of that period as well. A lot of action in the end of the second period. 4-2 heading into the third. Devils added a fifth goal. Nick Sealer scored his first of the season, but uh, an empty netter would ice it. 6-3, to three, your final at MetLife Stadium. And the Flyers just looked outmatched, physicaled, And, um, you know, apart from the first 10 minutes or so of the second period, they didn't look like they belonged in this game. They didn't look excited to be there, which is shocking. Uh, Arison looked like the stage was too big for him. And this is after he is now the lead goaltender of this club uh, after the departure of Carter Hart. So this is worrying for the Flyers. And it was a game that if they won would have put them soundly up over the Devils in the Metropolitan Division standings. Instead now, Flyers are five uh, five points up with the Devils holding one game in hand on them. Flyers still sitting in third place. But uh, aside from Owen Tippett, no one else really showed up, which is uh, quite frustrating, quite frustrating to say the least. Trade deadline looming. Looks like a few pieces are going to get sold off. You're looking at Lawton. You're looking at Walker. And uh, quite frankly, that looks like the right decision at this point in time, looking at how that team just played. It snaps a five-game point streak. Uh, yeah, after a, a disheartening loss, coming back from down 3-1 in the third to lose in overtime to the, was that the Maple Leafs, I believe. And uh, the Flyers now, two losses in a row. Jack, any thoughts on Saturday night's game? I didn't catch much of this one, um, but yeah, I think you mentioned a lot of good points. Devils took control early. They never looked back. Um, you know, Nate Bastion, a couple of goals for New Jersey, including that empty netter. Uh, but tough one for the Flyers is a group who, you know, they, they were surging and then they took a slide and they've never been really able to get back on their feet. It's now just been a little bit of up and down. Yeah, it's been uh, win five, lose five, points in five. Now they've lost one. Yeah, so... Arison. One other point. Oh, sorry. You're good. Just one last thing for me, and then you can go back into it. Sure. Arison, I don't love him being the starting goalie going forward. No. He was a great supplementary piece, but looks like the stage is too big for yeah, him. Yeah, I mean. He's a rookie. You take a supplementary piece and turn him into your full-time starting goalie, that's a lot of pressure to put on a guy. Yep. Uh, and, you know, I don't think it's just, it's not sustainable for success. No, I don't think so. And I love I love Arison, and I thought if he was behind Hart for another year, he could have grown uh, into a really, really good goalie. This worries me, though. So, troubling for the Flyers. One other note I had, I don't know if I've ever heard a worst, a worstly broadcasted hockey game. And I, I like Sean McDonough, but he refused to talk about the action on the ice. Hockey is the, the sport where you most have to be discussing what is going on because it's constant action. 
And it just seemed like this entire broadcast crew had no interest in discussing what was actually going on. They actually missed calling a couple goals because they were having some side conversation or the sideline uh, reporters were talking. It was it was honestly disgraceful. They were just like, and yeah, and I was talking about this earlier, and oh, they scored! Wow! Like, really irritated me. I don't know if that leaked into uh, Sunday's game at all, but yeah, they focused early on a lot about like the Rangers rookies and stuff like that, and yeah, it was again. I, I call think, the game. I think ESPN taking over the coverage of hockey was a really bad move for the sport. I think they've really dropped the ball significantly with their with their coverage of hockey. And yeah, I, I miss NBC know, Sports. ESPN covers so many other things. They cover basketball. They cover you know they're going to be covering baseball Sunday night and a couple of nights throughout the week when it comes back. They don't prioritize hockey, which is so confusing. Why the NHL made the move to go back to, to ESPN? There's a reason you moved away from them. Not as much has changed. I think they need to find a way to uh, go to a different go a different way when their contract with ESPN comes up. And I know that's a couple years away, but they consistently just drop the ball with their hockey coverage. I don't think it's great. Uh, and it's just it's bad for the sport. And um, I, I've heard Sean McDonough do well on hockey broadcasts. Yeah. That was so disappointing. So disappointing. Such a big game. Such an, an interesting environment. And I think they tried to play that up too much. Yeah, they did. For sure. I think Way too much. It's like, we get it. Too. You're outside. You're outside. And you it's cold. It? Can, you, can you believe it, guys? They're, they're playing hockey outside. Like, it's not the first rink. stadium series game. Like, not, if, that I mean, was, if that was the first stadium series game, that's one thing. This has been happening. Guys, I mean, I've, we've never seen this before. I mean, these guys are playing on a rink that's not indoors. It's not. It's not with a roof over our heads. <laughs> the this is unbelievable. Yeah, can you feel the wind? This is insane. Can you guys see those park benches behind idea. the glass? Like, there's park benches, guys. By the way, did you see the video? I saw a video on TikTok of fans like watching the people down below. Just like, why are there these people just running back and forth? Like, <laughs> and they were only there for the camera to make it look like an actual park. It was like someone yeah, pushing a stroller. Yeah, it was an actor. <laughs> yeah, they're actors. <laughs> So. It was kind of pathetic, actually. It is. It's so staged. I mean, what other sports do you have to have staged actors to make it look like something is real know. when it's not? Just, like, it's fine if you have an empty park. Like, that's that's a fine setting to put a yeah. rink in. Like, at I don't care. At least it's natural. Yeah, at least it's fine. It, you don't have to see, like, ah, these guys are just jogging. It wasn't even a real <laughs> baby in that stroller. I know. It was a doll. I know. Some guy was walking a dog. Like, come on. What are we doing? Like, <laughs> can we get it together? <laughs> Um, Sunday. Getting it together, the yeah. Islanders needed to do that on Sunday, and because they completely collapsed. Rangers got started early, scoring 88 seconds in. Thought they would set the tone. Uh, before I get further into my analysis of this game, let's get you a KUR notebook. Yeah, why um, don't you? From the KUR notebook, want to join a fun campus club? Join KUR fun events, great friends, and an opportunity to play your favorite tunes. Await email KUR at kutztown.edu. That's KUR at kutztown.edu for more information. This message of community interest is brought to you by the radio voice of Kutztown University. KUR, all right. Back here, final segment of heavy hitters. We're talking about the stadium series games. Started off with Flyers-Devils, now talking about Islanders-Rangers. The Islanders are pathetic. They are an embarrassment. They need to be. They need to forfeit the rest of their games. Uh, for the sanity of their fans and for the sake of, of all things that... It is pathetic that you have 14 overtime losses through 56 games. I mean, what kind of joke is this? What kind of joke is this? These players need... What a sick joke. Exactly. It is It's pathetic. a quarter of their games. It's pathetic. It's a quarter. It is absolutely pathetic 
They went down one nothing. They score four in a row to go four one. You think all is fine, all is great. Turns out it's not. Vincent Trocheck two tallies in the second to make it four three going to the third. Alex Romanov tallied one more five three Islanders. Final five minutes. Kreider scores a power play goal, and Mika Zibanejad ties it with a power play goal six on four with the net empty. Five five to go to overtime, and Panarin. Puts one in with a net coming off its bearings. It crosses the line 6-5. to five. Uh, The Rangers come back, win it in overtime, break the Islanders fans' hearts. Uh, this is what the Islanders have been doing all year. I mean, they, they have been choking leads, blowing games like it's nobody's business. It is just horrible. It is a disgrace. The Islanders are, are, are embarrassing. They are embarrassing to watch. If I'm a fan, don't show up. Don't go. It's not worth your hard-earned money to to go pay to watch these guys go play organized hockey. 14 dang overtime losses in 56 games. 54 games, not even 56. 54. It is a joke. 22-18 and 14 is one of the most putrid records I've ever seen. I'm done. I digress. The Islanders, they're, they're something else, really. I mean, they fired their coach for Patrick Waugh. A loss like this proves it's not the coach, it's on the players. So, all I have to be said there. Any any other hockey talk you got? Uh, no, that's just about it. I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that heartbreaking right. loss. Yeah, it was terrible. I Absolutely enjoyed it. Terrible. So, Why, the Rangers are ahead of you. I know, but I, don't know. I knew you'd come in freaking out. So I don't expect the Flyers to win. So, this is a big debate that we're all having in Flyers land. Should the Flyers try and make the playoffs? I don't think you... The problem is, what are you going to do? You're you're 29, 27. You've massively overperformed. If you sell it off, you harm taking a pivotal, a, a dangerous step back next year. That's what I'm saying. Like, what is the I move? I think you stay stagnant. You make a couple of moves. You keep, You make a couple of minor moves. If you get the right price for somebody to sell them off, yeah, you make the deal, but... Again, I, people are talking about Lawton for a first. I don't know if you get a first. You're round not getting a Lawton. first round pick for Scott Lawton. Yeah, are you outside of your mind? Talking Scott about a second Lawton round pick not, for Sean Walker. Like I don't think so. Scott Lawton is not sniffing the value of a first round pick in my mind. If I'm a contender, he's good. He ain't worth a first round pick. Good. I don't know if you're a contender that needs a player like that to get over the hump. You might give it up. You might give. it I up. I would not. I, if I'm, it's all about what the market is, right? If I'm not, if I'm an organization worth my while, I'm not giving up a first round pick for Scott Lawton. It's not a slight at Scott Lawton. It's just, it's just not realistically what. <laughs> no disrespect whatsoever. <laughs> like, it's just not what I'm saying. Like Lawton's not a bad player, but I'm not forking over a first round pick for him. In my okay. mind, first round picks too valuable. Even if you're a team not making the playoffs, you can still get a really good player late in the first round. Yeah. So, to me, that's just where my mind's at with that. Okay. All right. Let's round up the show with some minor college basketball talk. Not too, too much going on, uh, but we are officially less than a month away from the final bracket being revealed. Um, biggest games over the weekend. Uh, we'll talk about the top 16 seeds that dropped officially from the NCAA tournament uh, in terms of they were the bracket were to be revealed uh, on Saturday. One seeds were Houston. There we go. I couldn't find it for a second. Purdue, UConn, Houston, and Arizona with the one seeds. North Carolina, Tennessee, Marquette, and Kansas with the two seeds. Three seeds, Alabama, Baylor, Iowa State, and Duke. And the fours were Auburn, San Diego State, Illinois, and Wisconsin. Wisconsin's got a drop. They've been horrible. One and five since they became the sixth-ranked team in the country. They've got a drop in that top four line, no doubt about it. Uh, I think Iowa State's got a rise of two and two. If they had the name name brand of Kansas, they would most certainly be on the top two line. Iowa State's done way too much this year to be down at a three. Uh, they should be at a two. 
no doubt in my mind there. Um, I like all the twos, and I agree with all the ones. Right now, it's it's kind of some big separation there, like I've been saying. Uh, so there's my rapid reaction to that. Big 12 runs through Houston and Iowa State. Those two teams are going to meet tonight, 9 p.m. Uh, if you're trying to start watching some more college basketball, get yourself a little bit more educated for uh, the NCAA tournament, watch that game. It's going to be a fun game regardless. Two really, really good teams going at it tonight uh, in Houston at the Fertitta Center. Houston and Iowa State going to be a fun one to keep your eyes on. Back to the weekend, though. Alabama hitting their stride. They put up 100 points in their home and over Texas A&M. Their group is really starting to find their footing there. Mark Sears, Grant Nelson and company. Uh, Nate Oates has got a fun Crimson Tide group as usual. They're a fast-paced team who loves to score the basketball. Um, talking about Wisconsin already, UConn. Huge win over the weekend. They decimate Marquette at home, 81-53. to They are the class of college basketball over the past couple of years. The reigning national champs. Uh, I think this group might be even better than they were a year ago. They destroy, destroy the Golden Eagles of Marquette. Uh, and that's not a slander at Marquette. They're still a really good basketball team. Just shows how good UConn is. South Carolina, I think, a little bit overinflated. They were ranked 11th in the country. They fell at home to LSU this past weekend and lost by 40 uh, at Auburn. A little bit ago, Gamecocks are still good, just not as good. Uh, the AP was making up for their, you know, kind of disrespect towards them. Uh, they put them a little too high. Kansas, huge road win over Oklahoma. Hunter Dickinson, 20 points, 16 rebounds in that game. Jayhawks have struggled on the road in conference play, but that's a big one to get over the rivals Sooners. Kentucky, also much-needed rebound win at Auburn. Tough place to play. Uh, the jungle has not been friendly to visitors this year, but Auburn falls at home, 70-59. to Wildcats of Kentucky, much improved defense, big part of why they picked up that win. Sycamores of Indiana State, one of the favorite mid-major teams this year. They've dropped two in a row to Illinois State and Southern Illinois. They're now tied for first in that conference with Drake. Um, Sycamores starting to fall a little bit down the stretch. And one of the conference races you absolutely should be keeping your eyes on down the stretch of the regular season and in the conference championship week, the American Conference. going to be such a fun one to keep your eyes on between Outbreak teams or breakout teams like South Florida and Charlotte being the top two teams in this conference. They were both projected towards the bottom of the conference at the preseason and consistent teams like Florida Atlantic, who made the final four last year uh, alongside SMU. Memphis is still a fun team. North Texas and UAB American, the American conference, such a fun one to keep your eyes on. I highly encourage that you do down the stretch of the season. Ohio State stunned Purdue on Sunday after firing their head coach, Chris Holtman. Big win for the Buckeyes. They're still, though, not going to sniff the NCAA tournament. Um, So that's pretty much all I got for college basketball nearing the end of the show. Final 40 seconds. Good one with you, Mitchie. A lot of MLB talk. Touch on NHL and college hoops as well. Absolutely. Before we jump off, last I checked, Joey Logano was leading the Daytona 500. One of the great spectacles in sports, even if you're not a racing fan. So go, Joey. And uh, like you said, great show. We'll be back on Friday at 10 a.m. for a one-hour edition of Heavy Hitters. Standalone hour. Yes, sir. And uh, we'll probably have some spring training storylines to go on at that point. Yes, we will. Whole other week of NHL will be in the books. So looking forward to it. Hope to see you there. Same place, different time, 10 a.m. on Friday morning. This has been and that will be Heavy Hitters. Thanks for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Yep.